0: Hello and welcome to Future Thinking with Stylus We recently held our Decoded Futures Summit in New York A spectacular day of insight, inspiration and innovation Here's an enlightening conversation which took place there Between our Head of Retail, Katie Barron And co-founder of Neighbourhood Goods, Matt Alexander All about the supercharged store and the coming of age of Omni Retail
1: So, Matt, super excited to have you here because yeah. um, you're obviously, uh, you know, you are the co-founder of a brand that is, is moving fast at the moment and doing some very exciting things in this space. So to start off with, for people maybe don't know the brand so well, your Neighbourhood Goods is very much redefining a department store. What's needed to reinvent or kind of even resuscitate this genre?
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I think the core of our philosophy is that we believe all of us in the retail space are in a scale and I think it's something at the end of the day, absolutely trading in a currency of relevance more than anything else. And I think it's something that's just absolutely true and sort of irrefutable about the space that it's very easy to forget. And in our space, you know, there's a lot of uh, department stores that serve a real purpose from a utility perspective. You know, if I'm in New York and I tear my shirt, I know I can go to a particular store and buy it, but I really have no other reason to go. And so for us, it's much more about having the willingness and inclination to express some degree of opinion and perspective and to create a room that has you know, a curatorial point of view that also happens to feature just much more relevant brands in a much more sort of dignified space. So rather than having the sort of basis of the relationship and reason for you to be there in the first place be revolving around the transaction, it might be around food or events or otherwise. And so we host two to three events per week. We have our own restaurant. Um, and then we have, you know, a... We launched with about 24 predominantly direct-to-consumer brands, many of which have never been in physical retail before. We're now almost precisely 11 months later, I think as of yesterday, where we now have about 60 active brands in the room. And it's anything from uh, Dollar Shave Club's first-ever physical to Rothy's to Buck Mason, Stadium Goods, Tashin, Sono, Simple Human, uh, even brands like Fossil, uh, Hill City by Gap just launched with us, Tonal. And so we're experimenting with all sorts of different categories and just absolutely focusing on how we can create something very exciting and relevant and dignified and positive as custodians of these stories on behalf of these brands to give you a much more you know, positive reason to be there in the first place.
1: So in terms of, super exciting, yeah. in terms of tech, because I'm still sort of digesting all the names, in terms of technology, because tech is, is a real minefield, I think, for a lot sure. of brands. You come from a very interesting technological background. I, don't, I hope yeah. you don't mind me saying, I think you had a blog of 1.2 million people when you are about 12 yeah. in your bedroom. So you're very culturally astute, but also technologically the backbone is there. So what have you been using in store? I'd love to hear a bit more about you know, the best tools you've used, maybe even learnings from some of the mistakes for things that haven't worked so well?
0: Yeah, so I mean, uh, the the core of the philosophy, I think, as you mentioned in your presentation, is absolutely to focus on how we can sort of better allow the customer to ostensibly dictate their own terms as to how they interact with us. And so uh, from the very beginning, the sort of core philosophy for me was to look at the physical space and what you might assume would be table stakes if you were coming in with a really naive perspective. So if you were a younger brand and you were contemplating going into physical retail, you would probably assume you would be able to have a pretty decent sense of demographics and traffic and conversion rate and dwell time and all the sort of metrics that you would have on a very rudimentary basis online. But for most of them, you don't. And so for us, uh, we set about just from a baseline, just really focusing... And also in general reflection of the general fact that for a lot of the brands we work with, sales is not necessarily the primary goal of being in a physical space, that it might be marketing, it might be product testing, it might be storytelling, it might be pure, very traditional brand adjacency.
1: So so what kind of tools, what kind of tools are you using to get to those metrics?
0: So we have about 30 cameras around the room that are, you know, at the entrances, looking at your general sort of face and assessing... Uh, gender and age, and then we use them to measure the distance from the top of your head to the ceiling around the rest of the space so it can sort of avoid double counting you and things of that nature. In addition to that, we uh, developed our own app, which you mentioned, mm. uh, which allows for you to, at the moment, sort of self out at a distance. It's just editorially driven e-commerce in the room, leveraging beacons and things of that nature. The UI shifts. When you're within 25 miles, it's more optimized around RSVPing to events and looking at our menu. When you're inside the room, it allows for you to call an associate over to help you to self check out to find contextual information about the brands around you again all with the core philosophy of trying to sort of provide a little bit more context in, around that decision and allow for you to you know avoid that sort of anxious moment where you might be self-conscious about a question you may have about a product or a given size or what have you
1: so that's because it does feel this idea of being ha- a little bit hands-off you mentioned that you have the capacity to kind of call someone to you which also means that in in a way, you're pushing back a little bit with the sales associate, perhaps. How important do you feel creating a bit of a sense of distance, being a little bit hands-off is, and how technology can kind of create that in a store space? Yeah,
0: I mean, I think for us, I mean, our our absolute responsibility on behalf of the brands we work with is to be very good storytellers. And so it's it's like, if you polled the people that work in our store, I would say probably 60% of them have never worked in a store before. It's more hospitality-based and storytelling-based. And so it's about sort of client telling. So we pull from the restaurant, bring you coffee, bring you water, and it's a much more sort of positive relationship. And so they know to sort of get out of your way when you want them to get out of the way, and they can be absolutely present when you need them to be. I think it's just more in reflection of the general knowledge that there's probably a lot of people that are quite inclined to shop in a physical space more than a digital one, but they might just not enjoy the experience that much. They might find it alienating. They might have those questions that would otherwise make them feel self-conscious. So in as much as we can sort of Get out of the way when we need to, we want the absolute, the absolute ability to do so and to provide the, the maximum amount of options for the consumer to sort of interact with that space in a way that makes the most sense for them. And so it changes all the time and it's, it's something we're learning. And so it's, it's a very delicate balance. And sometimes you'll have people that absolutely want a digitally informed way around the room, but they really want a physical sort of in-person interaction to finish the transaction. Or the exact opposite of that. And
1: you can ask for that through the app. You can kind of there's there's met, like a menu yeah. of options to choose what you want.
0: Yeah. So you know, right now it's it's almost like calling an Uber or Lyft. It will sort of you'll hit a button, it will pull up. Um, your location in the room, you can request for them to come to you or ask you if you want to take a selfie and you'll get a picture of someone coming to you on the map of the space. Um, Equally, if you're sitting in our restaurant and you decide after a few glasses of wine that you do want a pair of shoes from Rothy's, um, (laughs) we can bring it straight to you. This sounds Um,
1: brilliant and yet very dangerous. Yeah. You know, after the three glasses of wine and a couple of martinis thing maybe. Yeah. Um, Something you said to me earlier about this that I thought was fascinating is that you said that this actually perhaps had the capacity to unlock a completely new demographic for physical retail. Yeah. Can you tell me a little bit more about how you've seen that happen with your store?
0: Yeah, I mean, we have a very democratised space. So, you know, we are in suburban Dallas. It's not the most obvious place to launch a new concept in the universe, but it's done extremely well for us and it's been a great testbed for it, where um, it's the third fastest growing city in the country, home to a huge number of corporate offices, anything from Toyota North America to Boeing to JP Morgan, Liberty Mutual and so on. So during the day, you have an average sort of age of visitor in the sort of 50s in the space. In the evening, it's sort of a lot of people coming in for happy hour in their sort of 30s. At the weekend, you see this very diverse audience of people, a lot of young families. And it starts to unlock a lot of really interesting data for us that helps us inform a lot of our broader decisions as a company where we start to see interesting brand adjacencies between something like Stadium Goods and something like Uh, Primary, which isn't obviously intuitive on the face of it. And so it allows for us to start interacting with people that might otherwise just pass through the space or they might just be uh, curious, they come in for a drink or they come in with relative frequency, but their goal isn't necessarily to shop there or they're the sort of people that wouldn't necessarily shop from those sorts of brands. But being in that general area, you might find a slightly older, more affluent couple that's at me up the street and then they come into our space and discover a younger sort of luggage brand and they get particularly excited about it. Or the, you know... You can name it for just about any brand. And so for us, it just it affords us a huge amount of versatility and general sort of agility in terms of the different types and profiles of people that we can interact with generally.
1: And are you finding a lot of people downloading this app? Because there's obviously a lot of debate about whether people don't want any more apps and that kind of thing.
0: Yeah, I mean, we see a lot of people using it. We see a lot of people using... It. Um, we see a lot of people using just the website for install pickup and on-demand delivery, things of that nature. But um, we're seeing a lot of people using the app. Um, We don't push it that much. For me, it's been, you know, the real tension. You know, we've had to be just indefatigably focused on the question of why. You know, I think that's the big problem with technology in this space is that a lot of people just assume that a smart mirror is going to fundamentally reshape their business model, but really it's just more noise. It's, you know, having a second neon sign on a tattoo parlor does nothing. Um, Mm -hmm. And so for us, you know, we're trying to be very, very selective as to why it's there in the first place and what it can possibly add to that experience. How can it make it feel better? So it's entirely optional. We're not trying to force you into it. But when it's there, it can absolutely unlock something that can be quite special and meaningful. And so it's... You know, the way we're starting to think about it is you, th- you think about wayfinding and you think about the general features and functions of a given brand in our space. Like, some of them, Tonal just launched with us. Um, you can only really shop with it. You come in for appointments and you can order it online. Uh, you have brands like Rothy's, on the other hand, where you can leave with it, but it's only a limited amount of the inventory. Footwear brand, right. yeah. And so with those, you know, if we can sort of denote the general features of a given location and almost like a key to a map and sort of have that coincide with the app and leverage your location so we can sort of enable you to learn more as you move around and understand what you can do in those spaces if you're not inclined to talk to people. Mm -hmm. It becomes interesting. And so it's not compulsory. It doesn't really make that much of a difference to us whether you have it or not, but it can just add something special to it. And so a lot of people are drawn to it.
1: That's um, talking about, uh, you know, reading and interpreting data. Mm. And we've talked a little bit beforehand also about data privacy because that's another thing that comes up a lot. You had some really interesting thoughts um, regarding this idea of of people kind of anonymously, being anonymous, first of all, and Mm. then shifting once you have more relationship with them to kind of making their data public to you. Can you talk to that a little bit?
0: Yeah, so uh, the brand HIMS and HERS, they launched their first ever physical with us when we opened last year. And for them, you know, it's selling, you know, health products, largely prescription-based products that can be relatively sensitive. So they do, you know, Viagra and Propecia and birth control, things of that nature, which you wouldn't typically find in a department store. And the questions you would have would largely be much more personal. Mm -hmm. You would be typically happening with a doctor. And so being in that sort of environment, you might be a little bit more self-conscious to learn more, but you might be really curious. And so the ability to allow for someone to be anonymous in that sort of room and ask a question that they might otherwise be self-conscious about is is powerful and then you know equally if they want to be known to us and they have a particular question that's more possibly style oriented and they want we want to pull from who they've purchased from in the past or they're trying to be curious about you know you had Buck Mason here a few months ago, and now you have Fayette, like what's the sizing difference? And we can sort of speak to some of that on a more personalized basis. So allowing for the optionality and just treating people with you know, adequate respect is just incredibly important, right? So um, I just, we don't want to be in a position where anything is necessarily mandatory. And so uh, anonymity is something that should absolutely be there. as table stakes, and they should be able to dip in and out of it as and when needed.
1: So you almost feel like there's a kind of sense of earning the right to, to have people's information.
0: Yeah, I mean, our, our business is entirely predicated on trust, right? I mean, it's from the brands for us to be good sort of custodians of those stories and from the people in the space for us to have the foresight and general wherewithal to have the right sort of mix of brands and the right sort of approach with those brands in terms of how they manifest in the room. And so that certainly applies to data. Like, nothing that we do is personally identifiable. We're not storing anything. We're not, we don't know that, you know, Matt Alexander walked in today and walked to this exact direction. It's much more anonymized. And so... In as much as we can dig in there. Until and you
1: say, no, I'm okay to share so I can have more back.
0: Yeah, and we don't ask that right now. Yep. But, but, you know, maybe one day.
1: Matt, one thing to sort of move off to a slightly different point. I wanted to kind of go back to this idea of reflexive destinations mm. uh, that I mentioned, because, of course, that's something that's quite a big deal for you as well, uh, because the store is quite editorialised. Compared to a traditional department store, you definitely think about yourself as, as a kind of media entity to an extent, Could you talk about, you know, I'd like to get into this conversation about the kind of real time exchanges um, regarding the type of events you have and how that connects the technologies you use?
0: Yeah, so I mean, for us, I mean, we're in the process of quite quickly expanding at the moment. And each of these locations, we don't think of it as sort of, you know, New York is particularly exciting, LA is particularly exciting, we think of them more as you know, each of these locations has a different set of features and functions that befit different goals on behalf of different brands and different types of consumers in general. So brands we consider an, a centralized asset. So a brand like Rothy is is with us in Plano, where they're able to access a suburban demographic where they can sort of test a merchandising strategy, whereas what they might do with us in New York when we open might be quite different and might be oriented more around product testing given the sort of traffic profile. And so for us... It's absolutely about trying to have this focus on having the locations be relevant and be thoughtful to a given market and speak a more localized language. And it's thinking about sort of how you systematize that sense of choice and that sort of general illusion of it being particularly localized and very specific to an area. So how do you create the framework so you can get to about 80% of the model for how we deploy You know, what is essentially going to be probably you know, five or six different reasons why brands want to be at neighborhood goods or the four or five different types of stores we will deploy depending on the type of lease or the location or the seven different types of events we try to sort of pursue which pull in different types of demographics and different types of people for different types of dwell time and different sort of end, end results with all of them. And so we can get to that perspective where we can sort of systematize that to an extent and then we can absolutely focus on how do we make it more local, more relevant. So, you know, you think about we're opening here in New York you know, us in Soho is relatively relatively redundant. Like, there's a lot of brands that can open there. There's a lot of vacancy. Uh, we're taking the entrance to Chelsea Market. We'll be right on ninth. Um, geographically distinct, huge volume of traffic, otherwise completely inaccessible to a lot of these younger brands, both from a cost and general sort of logistics perspective. And so in as much as we can be that discovery and delivery mechanism in these areas that they would otherwise not have access and do something special for an underserved consumer and do it in a way that feels particularly relevant and thoughtful, it's a, it's a remarkably powerful and potent sort of equation. And now the question is whether or not we can do it that well. <laughs>
1: So, I mean, talking about these spaces, you have previously said that you think of the space almost as a kind of publication, mm. physical publication of some of, of sorts, um, and that the real-time aspect of this is really important. Can you explain a bit more about that, how that
0: might work? Yeah, so, I mean, um, we have, you know, a lot of people that pass through the space, and we think a lot about dwell time. So <coughs> we open a development called Legacy West in Plano. Um, the average dwell time for the whole development is about 80 minutes, Uh, The dwell time inside neighborhood goods right now is approaching 40 minutes. And considering we're about 14,000 feet, it's large, but it's not that large by comparison to several acres worth of property. And so for us, it's absolutely about how you create this sort of and foster an environment in which you can have a real sort of interaction. You can have a very meaningful moment. You know, we've created an, an inherently inconsistent room. So any form of consistency we can provide is incredibly important. So that's in the form of design, in the form of people, and in the form of that sense of community. And so we have anything from meditation classes with Equinox to, you know, Serena Williams came and launched a new product line with us a few weeks in. We had the NRF host event with us with, a few weeks ago. We had Create and Cultivate host an event with us. We have all sorts of stuff happening all the time, in addition to food and beverage. So, in as much as you have that reason to be there and you can be exposed to these brands, you're thinking of it just the same as you would a website or a digital publication, where the mechanism is absolutely to do with how you bring people into the room and encourage them to stay, come back as that space changes and how you foster loyalty to both neighborhood goods and also to the brands themselves and develop, again, that trust. And so it's, it's absolutely to do with the relationship, it's absolutely to do with that trust idea, and it's absolutely to do with uh, trying to be speaking in a very relevant and localized way in terms of the programming we have.
1: The, you mentioned community there, um, and I think, this is for me, this is really interesting because I think about this a lot because I think it's one of those classic kind of retail words that's sometimes overused, sometimes a bit abused. When people say community, sometimes they just kind of mean shoving loads of, loads of events randomly in. Um, you think about this quite a lot, obviously. How, what are you doing, and maybe also in terms of thinking about the technology, or what may you do in terms of taking the th- kind of events you create when you're pulling a community in to build community, further existing communities, maybe create communities from scratch that weren't there. What are your thoughts on that? It doesn't have to be things that you're doing, but yeah. your perspective on it.
0: Yeah, I mean, I've, I've described our philosophy as a company as being a lowercase letter company. So like, we're not experienced with capital E, with you know trampolines and ball pits, We're experienced in the most traditional sense of the word. And when we talk about community, we mean it in the most lowercase sense of the word, where it's the very most traditional and positive and dignified sense of it, where you're coming together with relatively like-minded people. You might be meeting new people, And it's something that's sort of like enriching and endearing in terms of how we do that. I mean, it's about us allowing a huge amount of autonomy and latitude at the store level. Um, So one thing we did relatively recently was we had the store operating on one sort of siloed slack. And at the same time, we had the corporate slack. We merge the two together, so anyone at the store has real-time access to me or anyone else in the company.
1: Do you mean people at work there? Yeah, the store, yeah. and then at the <laughs> Just same, to check, yeah, in general, <laughs> <laughs> and
0: then in, in addition to that, you know, it's it allows for a real sense of um, upward mobility for people in the store. So rather than sort of having something incredibly mundane, like you can go from you know, junior associate to senior associate, it's more about, you know, those people likely have passion about marketing or events or branding, whatever it is. And so they can have real exposure to those different areas and submit ideas and foster things Mm -hmm. from their local worlds and bring them into that space. And we very much want to be a platform and foundation upon which they can do so and have that real ability to be themselves there and like, One of the most special things about our store is that if you talk to any of our store associates and ask them their job title, they would all tell you something quite different. And you see that absolutely reflected in terms of the sort of type of events we're hosting, how we're bringing people in there. So, you know, in the most traditional sense, and you can obviously chalk it up to jargon and otherwise, but we truly mean it in the most sort of traditional sense of how you give people a really positive reason to be there and how you empower people to continue to come back. On the right sort of basis.
1: With with that in mind, do you ever see um you know the the consumer sort of facing apps that you use? Do you ever see that you would they would they would be part of that that would also have a peer to peer access? So if you're kind of creating an event around a particular type of exercise or wellness, you would then kind of branch that out so it's kind of from the brand to the consumer and then consumer to consumer as well. That may be a bit out there, but
0: I mean certainly to an extent. I mean, like self organization around brands is probably the most sort of important indication of whether or not they're going to be successful. We see it with Rothy's, for example, not to keep using the same example, but people have been taking road trips across the state of Texas with people they've literally never met before to see Rothy's in in person for the first time. Um, And so, and then what we've been doing for the people is having, you know, a free glass of rosé and they can sort of come in and sort of spend time and they get to meet other people. And so there's a lot of little micro environments and subcultures that exist across these brands in different areas. And so it very much allows for us to sort of really foster some interesting connections there.
1: Making a note of that for further features. <laughs> okay, as I know that we're kind of out of time, just one very last question for yeah. you, because we're in New York and you're opening in New York next month. Yeah. What is kind of one thing, this is really putting you on the spot, that we should all be mega excited about and should definitely go to the store for? Oh,
0: wow. Um,
1: nice of me, right? Yeah. That's what uh, um, moderator I am.
0: <laughs> Look, what I would say is we have an amazing lineup. We have about 60 brands in Plano, and it's a pretty unbelievable lineup of some extremely well-established, some much smaller, some even more local. Um, we have a similarly extremely exciting lineup coming together for New York, but only 30% overlap between the two locations. And we haven't announced who they are, but we have a new restaurant concept. We're going to be launching with more brands than we launched with in Plano a year ago in a space that's about a third of the size. Um, And we have a huge amount of events and some really special elements coming together. We've seen real opportunity from the data from all these pieces to start really pushing and fostering interesting products around private label and collaborations. So there's going to be a lot of things you'll start finding that you wouldn't find anywhere else. So lots to look forward to. Thank you very much. Thank you. you. You've been listening to Future Thinking from Stylus, the show where our analysts, alongside industry thought leaders, unpack the big trends you need to know about. Find out more about what the future holds for your business at stylus.com. If you like what you heard today, make sure you subscribe to Future Thinking in iTunes or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts to hear new episodes as soon as they're available.